now, as is our want, uh, we are going an hour earlier than usual to Washington, D.C. We're going to talk to uh, the Washington reporter from the White House for Real Clear Politics, Philip Wegman. Philip, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. So now you're on you're on an hour earlier. So now are you awake? Did we get you out of bed early? Because I know how you are. You know, you do your morning stuff and then you, you take that mid-afternoon nap. I mean, if I'm waking up uh, from my nap at four o'clock in the afternoon, something has gone terribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you're, if that happens, you're Nancy Pelosi. Um, so, um, what what is the reaction? Uh, first of all, by you, by people in and around D.C. Uh, with the new numbers that have come out now relative to inflation, was it not quite the report? Democrats hope for, and are they now going to be in full spin mode to try to tell us it's not as bad as it looks? So take this with a grain of salt, because my professional career in journalism starts in 2016. It's not exactly the longest tenure, but I haven't seen anything like this ever before. Um, Today, the inflation numbers come out. They tick down slightly, but uh, prices are still high. And at the White House, they decided to have a celebration of the Inflation Reduction Act. This has set up an extraordinary split screen. You have uh, in one screen the President of the United States talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, which economists say if it does have an effect on inflation, it will be in the long term over the course of the next 10 years. Uh, He invited James Taylor uh, to sing Through the Fire and Rain, uh, a song that <laughs> I'm sorry. in 1970. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, that just cracks me up. About the same place. <laughs> and then at the same time, elsewhere on another screen, we, we see news that Wall Street had its worst day since June of 2020, yeah. in the middle of the pand- uh, pandemic. Um, you know, as inflation was, was hotter than we expected. I mean, the Dow has dropped more than 1,200 points. And the, the screen grab from all of this is, is quite interesting. You know, on CNN, the Chiron that was playing just a few moments ago, it was an image of President Biden with his jacket off, and the Chiron read, Biden celebrates passage of his Inflation Reduction Act. Next to that, you've got a ticker which shows the Dow Industrial Average and how that has dropped in real time. Um, by by that twelve hundred points, it's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it, it is remarkable. Would you say what what do you think is going to be the twist that we hear in the next couple of days? Okay, you know, inflation was at eight point three. Doesn't matter. It's not a real number. It's a real number, but it doesn't really affect most Americans. Um, you know, it's it, it's a bad number, but if you look at and they'll point out some other benchmark. He'll say, but that tells us that everything really is okay. Are they going to trot out Yellen so she can tell us again over and over that, you know, because nobody knows numbers like she does, uh, that uh, this really is not inflationary? And are we going to be told again that we're not in any kind of recession? I think that the argument will be that the Inflation Reduction Act is what kicks this. It's what uh, eventually tackles this problem. The problem with that, though, is you can point to um, economists who are friendly to the White House and will make the case that things are going to uh, turn around, 
or you can point to other economists. I mean, there's plenty of, of uh, you know, conservatives who are arguing that, that things are uh, pretty terrible at the moment. Uh, but then there's also a number of, of Democratic economists, people who served with Joe Biden uh, when he was vice president. For instance, Jason Furman, who was uh, the chair of Obama's Council of Economic Advisors, uh, he's talking about inflation in pretty dire terms mm-hmm. uh, and how there's there's no easy way out of this. Uh, but, but you know what? Regardless of, of whether you're picking your uh, preferred economist uh, or, or not, I mean, you don't need one, right? Uh, every human being in America might not know what the spreadsheet says, but they feel that 8.3%. Mm-hmm. They know that grocery prices are you know, 13.5% higher uh, than, than they used to be, that it's the highest since you know, 1979. They, they know and they've seen um, not the stats, but they've seen, you know, the, the story that backs up those stats, how, how poverty has risen, um, you know, for the second year. This is this is pretty, pretty remarkable stuff. Um, and, you know, I'm not sure if you saw, uh, you know, when the, the when Texas A&M got beaten uh, by some smaller school, I forget their name, but the clip was going around on the Internet of, you know, of how the night before Texas A&M had this big pep rally and, you know, they were really bullish that they were going to win on Saturday and then they, they lost. Well, maybe we're going to see something similar where you've got this spike the football moment at the White House with the administration praising the Inflation Reduction Act and then, you know, trends continue and things are still ugly for the American consumer. Listen, I've, I've got no affinity toward Texas uh, A&M one way or another, <laughs> but I will just tell you that as a Notre Dame fan, if you bring up NCAA football one more time in this broadcast today, this is your last week to be on here. Because <laughs> we went through the same thing, as I'm sure you know, because of the mighty thundering herd from Marshall. Um, so exactly how is it that the administration, by, by your thought, how is it they're going to have to position themselves uh, to say, yeah, we've seen the numbers and they're out there. It's not that bad. It just affects people who make more than $400,000 a year. Don't worry. Because like you said, you lay a spreadsheet down in front of most people, and I'm not trying to malign people, but most people either won't look at it say, I never look at that stuff, or if they try to figure it out, they can't. But they do figure it out when they're at the Kroger store in aisle nine or when they're at the gas pump number three at their friendly neighborhood gas station. That's when they feel it, and that's when they know it. And if the White House keeps trying to act like these are problems that are not really there, that's what's going to come back to bite them in November. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they certainly have identified the problem. For some time, Biden has said that inflation is his top priority. The problem is going to be if they keep referring back to the Inflation Reduction Act and promising that this is what's going to be uh, the silver bullet. Because mm-hmm. clearly um, we've seen that they got inflation wrong before. You had Yellen, you had others who talked about how that this was going to be temporary, uh, and then it wasn't. And they're, they've already given the American public a reason to be skeptical. The other thing is, if it turns out that this legislation, this spending package that uh, they promise does bring a, you know, put inflation on a, a downward trajectory. I'm not sure uh, the average individual 
is going to have the patience, right? Uh, they're not voting this November on whether or not inflation is going to be down in 10 years. They're voting on inflation today, mm-hmm. yesterday, the last two years. Yeah I, yeah, I need to be able to afford food for my family next week. Uh, if I can still afford food for my family 10 years from now, yeah, I want that to happen, but that's a whole different argument. You get to 10 years from now by fighting it out a week and a month at a time. I mean, that's how most people earn their money. That's how most people spend their money. Um, I, I really genuinely truly think, and this is when it's happened on the right as well as on the left, because it has, but I really think that people out here in mid-America that fight and scrap to try to keep things going, they're really tired of the upper crust of the elite in Washington and in New York and around Boston. We're really tired of them telling us, don't worry, everything's going to be fine. Well, you might have a nest egg that is so deep you don't feel it, but I don't. So you need to come or, clean with me. And I think that's where people are going to start losing faith and lose it rapidly in the current administration. Or your business took out a lot of loans and yep. you're excited to pay it back with uh, inflated dollars. What's interesting about all of this is that this is the first time a lot of uh, Americans have dealt with inflation in a personal way. Uh, I don't think that the average high school student up until uh, the last two years knew much about inflation or stagflation other than you know maybe um, a few pages in their, their history book, right? Mm-hmm. This was always sort of something that we had under control. But now, uh, you know, the the 1970s are back. And I think that what the Biden administration has done um, is they've given Republicans an opportunity, right? Uh, It's one thing to say inflation is bad. It's our top priority. We're still working on this. Um, And it's another thing to go out there and bring James Taylor, Mm -hmm. uh, someone who certainly is of the 1970s vintage, and kind of do this throwback that, 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 that opens the door. It's so easy. It's so easy for Republicans to say, this is Jimmy Carter 2.0. And that's exactly right. And we know how well that worked for him. You know, I mean, you know, because people, you know, with Jimmy Carter, it wasn't necessarily that they hated his foreign policy. It's, it's not because they didn't like him because he wasn't a nice guy because he was a nice guy. Uh, what they didn't like was the level – I mean, look, nobody liked buying a brand-new car in 1979, and when they went into the dealership, the price looked awesome. And then when they sat down there, they couldn't believe their payments because they didn't realize until then they were going to have to pay an interest rate of 22%. The other thing that is in play here is that uh, just the other week you had uh, the – EPA administrator go to California and say that that state was leading the nation when it came to clean energy. Well, uh, what has happened since then? You have California that is bracing for blackouts. And Governor Newsom has said, he's, he's put this out. This is not, um, you know, in any way an exaggeration. He has said to the citizens of California, uh, please don't charge your electric car. Yeah. Please turn off um, household appliances at, at different times of day. That's not a message that you know that the White House um, you know is, is spreading because those problems aren't widespread across the country. But when I asked uh, the White House press secretary if the president agreed that California was a model to emulate, 
Uh, she didn't have an answer. She said that she hadn't seen that, that quote from the EPA administrator. And the thing is, you can make a argument, and it might be, you know, uh, it might not be one to one perfectly. But in California, you have a governor who certainly has his own White House ambitions, who is telling his own citizens to cut back. Um, that, you know, if you squint, uh, I'm certain that you can find uh, a little bit of malaise uh, era Carter talking points about Americans tightening their belts. Yeah, a la Jimmy Carter. I mean, when you sit there and you see uh, this thing about, yeah, d- don't turn your air conditioners on uh, three days a week or don't do this, you know, on Wednesdays and Fridays. That sure sounds an awful lot like Jimmy Carter about, okay, if your if your name ends in A through J, you go buy gas on this day, and if it's K through Z, you know, that whole scenario. And it's like, well, we're all in this together. Well, I don't want to be in it together. We're in it because you put us there. Mm-hmm. And the early Republican attacks against the administration, I remember when lumber prices were skyrocketing. Yep. And some people said, this is an overreaction. Republicans um, should not be uh, jumping the shark on this. Things will stabilize. It's just a problem with the supply chain. Well, the the argument that they were making at the time that some of this excess spending uh, was overheating the economy, uh, that argument is, is going to be um, renewed. And look, I, I think that you know, the, Obama, the the Biden administration, they certainly increased the rate of spending. Uh, and so that's fair game for Republicans to go after. Uh, but I think that as we listen to these Republicans who are, are talking like fiscal hawks, um, that we should also remember that not, not too many years ago, uh, they were spending money hand over fist. Well, and here's what I want to put out there, and I've said this a few times, and I'll say it so that you can hear me say it, too, so you can hold me accountable. But here's the thing. I hope we have a Republican takeover of the House. I hope, even if it's only slim, we get a Republican majority of the Senate. But if we do, the life had better be better than it was at the start of the Trump administration when we had the White House. But we also had uh, both houses of Congress, even only slimly, because we didn't do anything there that set us apart as being fiscally responsible. If we're if we're going to put Republicans back in, we'd better do it. They better do it the right way, and they better get it done. It's interesting. Uh, Biden makes this critique of Republicans where he says that they don't have a plan. And in that vacuum, he points to Senator Rick Scott, the chairman of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and he points to Rick Scott's plan uh, that would um, require a, a, a vote on Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security and that would raise taxes on Americans. Um, and the point is that Senator Rick Scott is one of the very few Republicans who has actually come out with a plan for what uh, the GOP would do if they regain control of the Senate. Um, whether or not you think that's a, a good plan or not, um, you know, that's up to you. But uh, from McConnell down, Republicans are not out there saying this is what we're going to do. And so the question is, are, are Republicans, if they regain Congress, are they just going to um, be a, a one way ratchet and eventually say, uh, you know, you, you can't spend, you know, any more than you were already. You've you've got to lock in those rates. Or are they going to be more aggressive and sort of take the fight to Biden 
because not that long ago, during the Obama administration, you had a number of conservatives and House Freedom Caucus in the Senate, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, and others, who were fighting their leadership, demanding that they do more to slow Obama down. And that created a huge rift in the party, a huge fracture um, over Obamacare and, and other things. And because Republicans didn't do much, uh, that certainly created an opening for mm-hmm. someone like Donald Trump to say, you know, don't don't stick with the, the GOP uh, and their business as usual. It's time for someone new. Um, you know, perhaps we'll see a, uh, a remake of that same movie. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Yeah, yeah, Depression 2.0. I'm not interested. Philip, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in D.C. Uh, when I will be there. If you if you play your cards right, uh, I might actually buy dinner one night, which is, you know, <laughs> that never happens here. So, <laughs> um, but listen, Philip, thank you very much for your time. And I, I know that we had to move things around because of some interviews that you have. And with your situation, I get it. Uh, when, you, when you can nail an interview with somebody you want, you got to grab it when you can, and we certainly get that. Uh, but I look forward to seeing you next week, and I appreciate you being on today, Philip. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you very much, Pat. Podcasts by Federated Media.